Welcome to AutoLine This Week, where the discussion is all about Westerners working in the Chinese automotive industry. Jack Perkowski is an American who quit his job on Wall Street decades ago to come to China to start an automotive parts manufacturing company called Asimco. Today, he's a consultant to the industry. Dr. Daniel Kirchert is a German who's the managing director for Infinity in China, which of course is Nissan's luxury brand. And James Hope is a Canadian who today is the head of design for the Chinese car company Cherry. And we'll be back to get their insight of what it's like working in China right after this. Jack, you've seen it all. You're one of the first Americans who came over to do business in the Chinese automotive industry. So you've seen huge change. And what I'm hearing here in China is they're referring to right now as the golden decade. What do they mean by that? I think they see uh, you know, the, the balance of this decade, China as a country growing at about seven, seven and a half percent. And uh, I talked to a number of officials and and people in the industry, and they're looking at 10% annual rate of growth in units in the automotive industry. So I think they see from 2013 to 2020 as a period where you know, the industry is going to continue to have very strong growth. And so this is the time to really make hay, as they say. This year, China's probably going to build something like 20 million vehicles, right. cars, trucks, and buses. You know, 10% growth in seven years, you double it. I mean, do you see it growing that big, or how big do you think this market will become? Oh, I think it can easily be 30 to 40 million vehicles a year. And the reason for that is that, uh, you know, the 20 million vehicles that you referenced are really just the conventional vehicles. There's another 40 million vehicles out there that could produce every year that you would look at and say that they're really not con conventional. And, and what's happening is you're con converting these unconventional vehicles into conventional. So I would say that the demand the annual demand for new transportation every year is probably more in the order of 50 to 60 million. Now, when you say non-conventional vehicles, you mean like these little neighborhood yeah. kind of putt-putt cars? If you almost. travel around China, go outside the, you know, the major cities, you'll, you see it all over. And, you know, these are all fun, you know, they're, you know, they're nothing that you would ever call a truck or a car or anything like that, but they actually serve the purpose of moving people and goods. And, you know, they're very polluting. And so the government is trying to clean up the atmosphere, so they're trying to get people to convert those unconventional vehicles to conventional. And so as that process goes on, I think you're going to see the, the more conventional auto industry continue to grow. The other thing that I'm picking up on listening to the, the Chinese automakers and suppliers is they're, they're cold, calling this the golden decade, as we just mentioned. And there's almost like a concern that in the next decade, things are going to plateau a little bit, and they've got to be ready for that. Right. I think they recognize that, you know, this high rate of growth has probably covered over a lot of things. The fact that, uh, you know, the Chinese automakers, the, the, you know, the local companies are, you know, still, there's still a big gap in the technology, you know, their technology and, and the global assemblers. So they need to close that, that gap before the industry really slows down because, you know, this has been a, you know, it's a big market, but it's a very, very competitive market. Every major global automaker is here. I don't think there's a car made in the world that isn't now being made in China. So you have all the you know, major global companies here, and then you have this whole list of local companies. So they you know, they know that once that growth slows, 
it's going to become more difficult. So they want to try to, you know, you know, make as much progress as they can during this golden period. The Chinese are very proud of their indigenous companies, you know, who are not, uh, who do not have a joint venture with a foreign automaker. Right. But those indigenous companies are losing market share slowly but surely to, to the bigger ones. Uh, what do you think the Chinese government may do in trying to help them grow, or, or will it? I don't think the government will, you know, will really do anything. I, I think, um, I think you, know, you have to look at the, at, at, the, at, you know, at the individual companies within the group. For example, company Great Wall, fantastic company, growing at 40% this year, you know, gaining market share, big in the, uh, in the SUV market. So the, you know, the Great Walls, the GLEs, Cherry, you know, BYD, some of those companies are going are to do quite well. But you're right, I mean, as a group, there are a lot of companies in there, and probably a lot of those are going to die out. And so, you know, so I think the, you know, the government would like to see a consolidation. They're not going to do anything to force it. They'd like to see it. And to the extent that some of these bigger companies, you know, the, the private ones, uh, you know, progress and so forth, I think they'll support them. But I don't see any, any real, uh, you know, intervention by the government to try to help. You mentioned some of the companies, uh, Geely, Great Wall, uh, and the like. They're already exporting vehicles, uh, mainly to developing countries in right. Latin America, Africa, the Middle East, and other right. places in Asia. Everyone always wants to know, when are they coming to the North American market, the U.S. market in particular, or Europe and the like? Any insight on that? I don't know, you know, there are a couple of bodies of uh, or, you know, opinions on that. Um, you know, one individual I was talking to said that he had heard that a number of the suppliers are being asked to supply product to U.S. specifications, and he kind of took that to mean that at least one of the, uh, the assemblers or a couple of them were thinking of entering the U.S. market. I personally think it's, it's kind of a five-year, five years away at, at, at a minimum. You know, Cherry and Geely all made big noises a couple of years ago, and they never really went anywhere. And I think they realized it's a much, much tougher market to break into because of, you know, not, you know, the, the brand issue, the uh, distribution, the aftermarket, you know, the after-sales service, the uh, safety and all these other concerns. So I, I, I think they're cautious about going into the U.S. or Europe. As I mentioned, you've been in this uh, market for so long, way ahead of everybody else. Any insights uh, that you could share that you've picked up on of the Chinese consumer? What really clicks with them? They like, um, you know, they like uh, brands. They like, you know, very important brands. They're very brand conscious. You know, buying a car is uh, is a way of telling your neighbors and everybody else that you're successful. So, the uh, you know the better the brand, you know, the, you know, the better they look to, to everybody. So, so that's very important. They're also very, very sophisticated consumers. I mean, they, you know, they really, you know, before they purchase a vehicle, they understand everything about that vehicle and what its features are and so forth. So. Um, you know, I think that, you know, they're a very demanding customer. So anybody that wants to sell vehicles here, you just can't have a good car. You better have all the latest technology, too, because Absolutely. It's, it's no longer uh, a market that's going to just take uh, the hand-me-downs from Europe or the United States. No, that's right. And uh, in, in fact, uh, you know, one of the leaders from, you know, I think it's from Nissan said that they're coming out with 13 new models in the next two years. Six of those are designed specifically for the China market. So that's something that's changing as well. You're not just bringing models that were designed for some other market to China. Companies are now designing models that really are, are keyed into the local taste. You started uh, a supplier company right. here, a Simco. Uh, any insight for suppliers, too, as to what the next thing might be that they should be getting involved in? 
Well, I think uh, you know, the, you know, the big step up for the, the local companies are uh, electronics. You know, a lot of the local suppliers uh, are very good at mechanical parts, but they don't really have the electronics capabilities. So, if you, and I'm talking more about the, uh, you know, the smaller suppliers. So if there are companies out there that have, for example, electronics capability, I think they'd find a lot of willing partners here in China. Of course, all the big international tier ones are, are already here and so forth. But I think there's still a lot of companies in, uh, in Michigan and the United States that still are not in the, the China market. And I think there's still a it's still early. That's very interesting to hear. It's, it's not too late to get involved in China. No, I always tell people that, uh, you know, because after 35 years now of economic reform, the natural, and 20 million vehicles, you know, $9 trillion economy, people say, oh, geez, is it too late? And I always tell them, nope. It's, uh, you know, as Churchill said, it's, you know, it's only the end of the beginning. So I, I think we've got a long way to go. Jack Perkowski, thanks for sharing your Thank insights you. on China. James, you've got experience in design in North America with the Detroit 3, even with a supplier, you've got experience in Europe, now you're in China. What's the difference between working in the more mature markets and with this booming new one? Uh, well, it's interesting because uh, in my 20 years of experience at the, the companies you mentioned, uh, when, when you go in, everything's established, uh, everything's running. You know, the engineers, you, you give them something, they come up with the solutions. Uh, the system's kind of in place. Here in China, it, it's really the, what we call the Wild East. And things are, are, are very new. I work for Cherries, 15 years old. And um, the, the, the treadmill's running, but we need to get it up to speed. And that's the, the big difference. Uh, but I will say it's, it's moving quickly. 15 years, that's really what? Maybe three design yeah. generations yeah. in the automotive industry. Yeah. What did they bring you in specifically to do? What are they looking for you to do with their design? Um, well, it's, it's very good because I get uh, very good support, I must say. Uh, and we're going to ramp up design, and the, the goal is to build it to the highest level of international standard. Design has really taken on uh, a greater importance in, in the last few years. Everyone talks about Kia and how Peter Schreier oh, yeah. turned that along all around. Mm -hmm. I got to believe that's the same goal then with Cherry. It's absolutely the same goal, and I think if you look at the uh, TX, uh, we won a, a very high accolade for that car uh, against a lot of European competitors. We had the Alpha Seven, which won the domestic show car of the year in, in Shanghai. So I think we're we've got good momentum. You're on your way. Uh, I, I've heard other designers, uh, you know, Western designers who have come to China say, eh. They're really good at photoshopping stuff and, and then manipulating that design. Are you finding that or are you finding true creativity here? There is creativity, but you've got to break the mold. Um, what, it's interesting. I just had another uh, discussion recently, and we've got a design language. And instead of telling the designers to say, just do the next car, uh, the next sedan, for example, they'll, they'll, do, they'll copy an Audi, they'll copy a BMW, they'll, they'll copy what they like. Uh, you, you give them a, a design inspiration, say, based on nature, and it just changes the paradigm. And they start coming with very creative ideas, but you've got to break them all, you've got to steer them. 
a lot of Chinese designs seem to be almost Rococo to me. There's a lot of embellishment and the like. Mm -hmm. Are you designing for the Chinese consumer or are you going for a global market design? I'm, well obviously global market is, is where you want your product to resonate. Um, but I do also believe there's this elusive C factor, what makes a car Chinese. And we're, we're looking into that and, and it, it's going to take time. It doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, doesn't happen overnight. But we want to try to tap into that. We want to make a cherry a cherry. We want to make a Chinese car a Chinese car. But that's something we're really proud of, and and really represents, uh, you know, this this market. Okay. What makes a Chinese design Chinese? Well, that's what we're trying to figure out. Well, well we're not, give us some insight. What, what, are, well, what are you focusing we're, we're on? We're looking at, and it's a bit rudimentary. We're looking at, for, for example, if you look at uh, some of the cultural icons like jade ceramics, bamboo, these are intrinsically Chinese. Um, now these are just kind of little, you know, there's a little bit of flavor and it needs to mature, it needs to grow. I think if you just came out and said, this is the Chinese car, people are gonna be like, oh, we're not sure if we're ready for that yet. Um, but if you look again, you use the example of Kia. Uh, I think Hyundai may be even a better uh, example. Um, they've, they've developed uh, what I think is a very unique Korean flavor. And that's what we want to try to tap into and try to do for, for a Chinese market. Of course, when you mention things like jade, then I think of the interior of the car, not the exterior. Well, it could also be maybe uh, green lighting somehow uh, in the headlamps, maybe, or the, or the, the, the logo, some of the, the logos light up. I'm not, I think you need to be very careful uh, with, with how you apply things. But, and, and you're right, it's probably more applicable to the, to the interior. But maybe uh, ceramic isn't just a decorative material, it's also a very functional material. You have ceramic brakes, you got ceramic tiles on the shuttle. Is there an application where it can be aesthetic and functional? Cherry, I gotta believe, is looking at a, a wide lineup of cars. Uh, how are you going to have a, a family resemblance? What's going to pull it all together from the littlest to the biggest? Right, well, uh, we, we, the, the first thing we did was we redesigned the logo. And we spent a lot of time, and the logo has to represent the new direction, the quality, and we really wanted to make it like a piece of jewelry. So from that starting point, um, we, we're getting the brand DNA in place, and it's going to take time because the old products are still there, and we've got to ramp up the new products. Um, but we, we're, we're definitely on the, the right track, but we don't want to do the, the Russian doll approach. We want, we want flexibility. We want to say, yeah, that looks like a cherry, that looks like a cherry, but they're not identical. It's the flavor, and that's really tough. I'm intrigued by Chinese companies hiring Western designers. So the question is, how does a kid from Kingston, Ontario, <laughs> end up in China? Uh, I went the long way. Uh, I, I went to school in the States. I spent eight years in, in Detroit. Uh, during that time, I was on assignment. I had an assignment in Germany. Uh, I really enjoyed Europe, uh, so I stayed there and then uh, you know, bounced around Germany a little bit. Uh, and then I thought, where's the next step? Where, where's, the, where's the pulse of the industry? And clearly it's here. And that was the, the big draw. So did you go looking for a job here? Did they come after you or I, a bit of both? I started to just, you know, it's always good. Designers, I believe, oh, it's always good to have change. It's always good to have a fresh environment. So I started to just kind of tap on the windows a little bit. And it, this opened up. And I thought, wow, what a great opportunity. Go for it. What about the language issue? And you know, we talk about design yeah. language, now we're talking about well, speaking language. But design language is important because obviously 
I haven't been here that long. Um, I haven't really learned much Chinese. Design, uh, sorry, language is not my forte. Um, but we, we speak design. And, and the communication, they say something like 70% is, is gestural. I, I know I'm using my hands a lot. Uh, but the communication's fine. I, there's, there's, there's some subtle barriers, but uh, the point gets across and the guys do, uh, the team does a great job. And of course you work in a visual language, so I'm imagining you can sketch out what you want to say too. Um, yes, exactly. And in, in my position, just because of what I touched on in the beginning, the, the industry is quite young and it's finding its feet. Um, I'm very hands-on, as well as uh, the other guys I brought in. How do you recruit new talent? How, how do you go out looking for it, or is that something that you don't get involved in? Uh, design is, is, is quite exclusive, uh, as we know. So I draw on, actually, mostly my, my connections, and I ask them if they're interested in the exciting adventure. Really good. Well, James Hope, thanks so much for explaining what's going on at Cherry Design. Very interesting. Okay, thank you very much. Dr. Kirschert, so far, Infinity has mainly been a brand in the American market. You're getting it going in China right now. How's the reception been here in China? I think um, indeed our history in China is still very short and in line with our strategy to move our global headquarter to Hong Kong and to truly become a global brand, um, China is extremely important for us. It's, it's a core strategic market in the next years really to make Infinity a truly global brand. And uh, we entered the market a few years ago. I've seen we have seen quite some uh, good improvement and, and, and raising, but we're still a young brand, so we need to build up the brand awareness. We need to really let the customers understand our brand positioning, our very emotional brand positioning. And um, actually we have uh, um, a very strong strategy built up for China. We will start local production and this will be our fourth production site globally after Japan, the US and we just announced the production in uh, the UK. And uh, this will be a major milestone for us. So we will bring our brand new Q50, an especially tailor-made long wheelbase version for the Chinese market uh, into local production next year, as well as a QX50. Again, we will adapt the product for the Chinese market with a long wheelbase version also in the local production. And this will be a major foundation for our next year's expansion. Uh, at the same time, as I said, we need to do a lot of brand building and we need to grow our network. China is a very big country. So far we have 60 outlets and uh, we have to expand in the next years every year around 20 to 30 outlets to really cover all those uh, cities. And um, we have in the midterm, we have the goal in the Chinese market to reach a sales volume of 100,000 units. So this, um, this is a significant growth from the level we are coming a little bit above uh, 10,000 units last year. And um, this needs a strong effort, but this is a great um, uh, chance for us and I believe our brand is very well suited to young Chinese consumers. So because we go into an emotional direction, we have a very um, high appeal of our design which very well um, accepted by the young Chinese consumers. And products like Q50 where you see the real cutting edge new technology we put into the car like the double touch screen and the very innovative safety technologies. These are features really which Chinese consumers love, yeah? cutting edge technologies. And so we are very confident. 
Because the, the brand was primarily a U.S. brand, yes. Johan de Nyssen, the, yeah. the head of Audi globally, has said it's time to de-Americanize <laughs> yeah. the, the Infinity brand. Yeah. But I imagine that in China, the, the consumer tastes are fairly close to those in the U.S., yeah. or do you have to re change your model lineup here in China? Yeah. No, actually, we offer the full lineup, and the products are doing very well. So we have a very good reception, I, I would say, on the whole lineup of our products. Um, the one challenge we have is, is the engine portfolio, but uh, we're actually taking very big steps also to get... Uh, uh, smaller displacement and, and better economies, for example, on the Q50. And uh, we'll bring in our hybrid engines. Uh, but the product portfolio is, is, is very well suited with the one point that we will, for some of the products, we will consider uh, long wheelbase versions like we've done for the Q70, the former M. And now, as I mentioned, for the two new products which will come into local production. And this is just due to the Chinese consumers' uh, requirement to use those cars not only for driving themselves but also use use them for sitting in the rear and having a little bit more space and comfort. So I think that's the main difference we have between the U.S. market and the Chinese market. But in terms of design and appeal of the products, uh, we have an equally good um, perception. As you know, a year ago there mm. was a backlash against all Japanese mm. brands in the Chinese yeah. market over this territorial dispute. Yeah. Uh, it seems to have changed right yeah. now. It, uh, the mm. Japanese brands seem to be going well. As you mentioned, you have to grow your brand yeah. awareness in yes. China. Yeah. How do you deal with this, this issue of mm. being a Japanese brand at the same time you have to grow brand yeah. awareness? Yeah, it, it has been an issue in last year for all Japanese brands in China. Uh, I'm very happy to say we are um, beyond this problem so far. So um, we are growing by the end of uh, September close to 20% versus last year. And uh, that's a very good news. And we forecast that by the end of the year our growth rate will be even bigger. So I think um, this is positive. And uh, for Infinity in China, it's a huge opportunity. We make this decision to put our global headquarters to Hong Kong. Hong Kong is a part of uh, China, and this has a huge significance. Actually, we are the only global uh, brand manufacturer who put their global headquarter into China. And uh, this is a good uh, chance for us. And, um, you know, of course, we have the Japanese roots, and, uh, but we are building an Infinity brand, which is uh, a truly global brand. And part of becoming global is to localize in China and, and build a brand which is very well suited to Chinese consumer taste. Uh -huh. I've talked mm. to many automakers here who said, okay, the, the first wave was in the tier one cities, mm. the Shanghai's, the Beijing's, and yes. the like. Now there's talk of the real growth being in tier yes. two and tier yes. three cities. Yes. What role is Infinity trying to do in those cities? Yeah, I think this is uh, very, very crucial for us. There's um, uh, huge growth potential in the smaller cities, and there's 270 cities in China with more than one million population. So. It's a huge number of cities which we have not covered yet with our network. And um, we have a unique opportunity to go to those cities at an early point of time and build our retail presence because we can still shape the consumer perception of our brand. If we do that not as a latecomer, but at the same time as others, or even earlier sometimes, we have this chance, yeah, and, and from the beginning to be very strong. So we put very high attention to this. In the next two years, we will mainly focus to go to new cities tier three, tier four cities and, and build a strong presence for our brand. Formula One racing is a yeah. 
big way of marketing worldwide. Yeah. Infinity is getting very involved with mm -hmm. the Red Bull Racing yeah. Team. Yeah. How does that work in China? There's yeah. the Chinese Grand Prix, of course, and yeah. how does that play in yeah. with Infinity growing its global, yes. its brand presence? Yes. So this has been very successful in, in rising awareness and uh, shaping our brand perception on performance globally, as you as you said. Um, in China, the, the, the awareness of Formula One is not as high as in Europe, but still it's a very unique differentiator for us. Being the world working together with the world champion team, and I think working together with Sebastian Vettel, being the performance director, getting very actively involved, this is something we're also utilizing in China, and that's uh, something really, um, it's an interesting story about our brand and it will be reflected in our product, so it's something we pay high attention and it's rising in China. So um, I believe it's also a good, um, good thing to do for us. You've talked about uh, the vehicles and, and the like. What about uh, service and, uh, mm -hmm. and treating the customer well? How are yeah. you building that up here in China? Yeah, of course, we need to build a very, very good foundation like for every premium brand. And that's the reason why in the next two, three years, not sales volume is uh, our target number one. We want to build a very, very solid foundation. And in terms of network uh, development, uh, I said we expand 20, 30 stores per year. So it's absolute mandatory to pick the best partners in retail who have premium brand capability to run a premium brand to provide top service. Actually, if you look at our um, JD Power performance in, in both aspects, we're already doing better than average. Um, but we want to make this a real differentiator here in the market. So we will put a lot of resources into training, people selection, and uh, we will try also to give the consumers in the Infinity dealerships a differentiated experience, a real premium experience, which is different to what, what, what others can offer. Uh, but we still have a lot of work to do. Dr. Kircher, thanks so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, we certainly got a lot of different viewpoints of different car companies and people working in the Chinese automotive industry. I hope you enjoyed the discussion and please tune in again next week for another episode of AutoLine This Week.